Hey, Prairie Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago in a message called One Heart, continuing our one series. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount and be sure to check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. Amen, church. You may be seated. Hey, man, I am honored to be up here in front of you guys. They called me up from the bench and they said, can you preach? I said, yes, absolutely. How many of you know that when you get the opportunity to preach the word of God, you never turn that down? Amen. I want to start off with a verse found in Mark chapter 7, verse 6. It says, but he said to them rightly, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that your spirit would be amongst us. Father, that it would not be my words that begin to touch people, but it would be yours. That we would be led by your spirit. Be sensitive to the atmosphere that you bring into this place. Father, that we dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that verse that I had just read to you because it reminds me about the proximity of our heart in relation to God. I think it's important and it's vital to understand that when Jesus talks about the heart, a lot of the times he's talking about the proximity your heart is at in relation to him. Now, what does that mean? That means he's hurt when the heart is far away from him. And so tonight I titled this sermon, One Heart. It's called One Heart. And I think we're given one heart And we have this life of 85 to 100 years to get this heart right, to get it perfected, to dial it in, to get it to close to God, amen? And so I remember when I was was going to school, I was at Biola University, and I'd run into a lot of people that were very knowledgeable about the word of God, extremely knowledgeable. They wrote wrote theses, they wrote books, they wrote, I mean, these people were on fire, man. And but when it came down to it, they could they could tell you every verse in the Bible, they could talk about every theological concept, but they end up falling short the, on the love for people. They end up talking about things that my church does, or beliefs that my church has, or theological concepts that we've instilled in our church, and then it begins to turn into not love, but rather discord. And when discord comes in, it it causes division in the church. It causes division in relationships. It's very difficult to have a relationship with somebody if they're always talking about something negative about you, or they're always tearing you down, or there's always a negative concept that they want to talk about, or they're always gossiping, or they're always just trying to throw somebody under the bus, or they're always complaining. I mean, I've been around people, all they want to do is complain. You know, as a leader, you know, we we get people that walk into our home and they want to talk, and it's just nothing but complaints. It's like, hey, so when are we going to pray? Like, you've been complaining for the last hour and a half now. We haven't even gotten to the Lord's Supper yet. You know, and, and, and remember, we can get caught up in that. And that's really, these are tall, these are tales of, of your heart kind of reaching out. You can kind of, you know, when, when you're talking with somebody, you can kind of see where their heart's at. 
What's on the top of their mind? What are their emotions? What, what are they producing? And really, when, I, when you start looking at that, you, start, you need to start measuring yourself. Not measuring other people, but rather heat check yourself. I remember when Kobe Bryant used to get so hot on the court, man, he wouldn't miss from three. He wouldn't miss from half court. He'd be taking over games. And then there was always this one shot that was just ridiculous. And the announcer always called it a heat check. He's checking the heat. Is he going to miss? Chances, I mean, some of you guys know, he, he never did miss. I mean, it sure seemed like it, right? He never missed at all. And, and these heat checks would take place, right? In the same way, we need to heat check ourselves. See, the Bible has been given to us to show us our heart. It's practically a mirror. Self-examination needs to take place. So producing fruit shows a person's heart. If you're not producing fruit, then chances are you're stagnant. Just doing the bare minimum. Not reaching out to people. You're just not living a productive life spiritually. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we're all reminded of this, but it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, this is the most important things. This is how we measure our value, how we measure our spiritual value. Are we healthy spiritually? Is there spiritual health in our lives? And if you lack these product, if you lack production of these things, there's a good chance you're entering, entering into like a, a path of spiritual death. You're just going to be kind of floating there, stagnant, not really growing. And you can find yourself in this place for decades, church. Decades. I'm not talking about years, but you find comfort in these things. So, you know, I don't want to measure my, my spiritual health. I don't want people to tell me about my spiritual health. I know no one like that is here, right? It's just me, right? But we do that. We say, well, we don't want it. We don't want to face the truth in our spirituality sometimes. And we just kind of float on this path of, of lacking fruit. But I want to talk to you about it. Just, I really want to park it on one portion of scripture tonight found in Mark chapter 11. And it's a passage I had never preached on before. And when I was reading my Bible preparing for this, I feel like God just kind of smacked me in the face and said, you need to preach on that. And so I feel very strongly about what I'm going to cover today is going to impact your life if you could just allow it to, amen? But in Mark chapter 11, verse 12, here's a scene. Jesus is kind of walking, okay? And he says here on verse 12, on the next day when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing from a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. So Jesus is hungry, and he sees this tree. He knows exactly what tree it is. And he says, oh, well, that's a fig tree. So he goes up to it, and you can imagine the look on his face when he realizes there are no figs on this tree. In other words, there's no fruit on this tree at all. And the Bible tells us that he looks at it and he doesn't look at it and say, okay, mijo, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You'll produce fruit someday. No. As a matter of fact, it's the complete opposite of that. He looks upset. He sounds upset. It says, 
And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. He condemns the tree. See, one thing we can learn from this is that Jesus is looking for increase in his kingdom. If you're taking notes, Jesus is looking for increase in his kingdom. He's not looking for people that are here just to ride some waves, just to sit back in a pew and never be touched by his Holy Spirit. But in reality, he's looking for people that are saying, God, I want more of you. God, I want to read your word. I want to learn more. I'm hungry, Lord. I want to be changed by your spirit and your word. And so much of, so many of us fall into this trap of, well, you know, you just need to come. We don't need to participate. I got stuck in that for years. Oh, I just, you know, I'm just going to help out the church here and there. You know, when they call on me, I'll, I'll help them out. You know, I'll come on a Saturday if they need help cleaning the cafe or they need help hanging something or putting up Christmas decorations. I did all that. I'll just do that. When in reality, God's saying, no, 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 this is, <laughs> this is the bare minimum what you're doing. I want more for your life. And so we fall short when God's trying to give us something great and we don't take it because we want something bigger already. He's like, no, no, we're going to start here. We're going to start here. That's why you got some brothers that are excited to clean the toilet, excited to, to wipe down the, the sink. You know, to do the bare minimum, these are things that you should be honored to do. But not only that, you should be sharing the faith. Sharing the faith in your workplace, in your homes, at the dinner table, your family members. See, we get wrapped up in sharing your faith. Sometimes we think it's not an option. Or we, I'm sorry, sometimes we think it's, it's, it's just an option. That, oh, okay, I don't have to do it. I can opt out of this. I don't have to share my faith. No, you need to share your faith. And it is commanded by our creator to say, he says, flat out, go therefore into all nations, amen, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Found in Matthew 28, 19, this is the great commission. We are to go out and begin sharing our faith. It is not an option. It is a commandment. You have to do that. And if we're not doing that, then you fail to grow. You fail to bring increase. See, we think, oh, okay, God wants us to do this so we can do it for him. But you're forgetting not only does he want to do it for him, he wants you to do it for yourself. See, when you begin to share the word of God in your life, you're going to start to see things that you've never seen before happening in your life. God begins to change you. Before you know it, you're teaching Bible study. Before you know it, you're, you can't put the, the, the good word down. You're screaming louder during worship. Your hands are, are, are fluttering up and down faster. You're getting excited. And I'm telling you, church, when you begin to do that and you begin to release that, it begins to have a bigger effect on yourself than you can ever imagine. But rather, we get caught up in our feelings. Well, you know, maybe I don't want to offend somebody. You know, and, and, and I remember... I had this dream a long time ago that I was taken up to heaven. I didn't die. I, did, I mean, I was just taken up to heaven. And, and Jesus was walking by, okay? And there's a line of us, just a line of men. And Jesus is walking by each of us. And he's not looking at us in our face. Rather, he's looking right at our heart, right at my chest. And he's scanning. And he's going down this line. And he can't find anybody. And he passes me up. 
and he just keeps going. And I cannot see the end of the line, but Jesus just kept walking. Doesn't sound like much of a dream, but God was speaking to me in that moment. That in other words, look, you need to be the one that he chooses. You need to be the one that he selects. See, God's looking for people that are gonna advance his kingdom and increase his kingdom, that are gonna chase increase in their own lives. He's looking for that church, just like he was looking at that tree. He's looking at that tree and he's like, wait a minute, where are the, where are the figs at? Wait a minute, there's no fruit on this thing. What's going on here? And, and he begins to just curse it because it didn't produce what he was expecting. In Philippians chapter one, verse 21, it says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Simple verse, very easy to remember, right? But look where Paul's at when he writes that verse, he's in prison. And he has all this joy. He has this perspective of what I call an eternal perspective. In other words, he's not worried about the chains that are around his legs and his arms. He's not seeing captivity, he's seeing freedom. And when he says things like that, he's thinking with an eternal perspective, See, you can't bring increase into the kingdom unless you have this eternal perspective. If you begin to live in the moment, you begin to live in just those seconds without seeing the kingdom, then you're probably gonna say, you know, I'm not gonna share the faith. That person looks very busy. Or you know what, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to them. I'm not gonna tell them about my faith. I'm not gonna do that right now because it's not the right time. I'm at work. And we begin to look at things not with a lens of, of eternity, but rather a lens of just a few seconds. See, church, it's hard to do the bare minimum. You know, it's hard to do the bare minimum because the bare minimum is a lot. We tell ourselves, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to speak about Jesus. I don't know how to, how to actually share my, you know, you don't need to know everything. You could simply share your experience. But see, we, we get caught up. We get caught up, and, we, and I want to tell you this word. It's called dissonance, okay? And I want to call it spiritual dissonance. So some of you are walking on a path of spiritual dissonance. Now, what is that? A dissonance is in a disagreement. When two things are not in agreement with each other. See, your heart and your spirit are not in agreement. Therefore, you have spiritual dissonance. Something is not lined up. Something is not corrected in your life. And so I remember one time I started to have pain in my hip. And I, and I was a, like, all of a sudden it just started hitting me. And then it, I kind of said, oh, it's going to go away. I did the man thing. You know, I was like, ah, I'm all right. It'll just go away. I'm like, why is my hip? Why do I feel like it hurts a lot? And I started to feel like an old man every morning as I rolled out of bed. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? And so what I told myself, I said, well, I think I need to, go see a doctor. You know what? I'm just going to go to a chiropractor, right? So he begins to tell me, okay, look, I know what it is. He's all stand up straight. He starts looking at my feet and everything and the length of my feet, one's off. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm like, is this guy going to pray that my foot grows? But um, he begins, to, and then he goes, he goes, actually, it's not your hip. You know what it is? It's your spine. It's something else, not lined up. See, all the pain was coming right here, but your spine, we, we got to just straighten you out. Did you, did you have an accident or anything? I said, no, I probably slept wrong. And he's like, yeah, that's what it looks like. And so he begins to 
work on my spine, and there's like, you know, like 10, 15 cracks later, all the pain went away instantly. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, he's like cracking my neck, and then my hip's feeling better. He's cracking my back, my hip's feeling better. And I'm like, wow, everything's getting straightened out. And but that's how it is in your spiritual life. You're failing to, you're looking at one thing like, oh, okay, there's this circumstance that's taken over my life. And then you're blaming the circumstance when it's really your heart's all jacked up. Your mind's all jacked up. Instead of you're blaming everybody else when it's you. And you're the issue. And sometimes God needs to straighten us out, amen? He needs to straighten us out. We have some spiritual dissonance in our life. There's something not in agreement. It's not lined up. And so your heart, you know, maybe like, well, you know, I know Jesus wants me to love people, so I'll love people. He wants me to go to church, so I'll go to church, right? But you're not lining up. You're just doing it because you think, you know, okay, it's, it's what I need to do. No, it should be what you want to do. Okay, there's a difference. So if you're sitting here today, say, I'm here because I need to be here. No, no, no. Change your heart. You should want to be here. You should want to be in church. Some people say, well, I'm not going to go to service. I don't like that speaker. You know, I don't, I like this speaker better. You know, it's like, it's the word of God, guys. Okay, it's the word of God. It's not the man. It's the word of God. If you're, if, if, if you're excited to hear the word of God, then any preacher will do. I heard some people say, well, I don't watch that preacher on TV. I don't know, brother. I heard weird things about him. Like, yeah, but he's preaching the word. You still get something out of it. A little bit. You get a little excited about it. He's still preaching the word. He's reading out of the books that I love. He's reading, he's reading Paul. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Moses. I want to hear all that. I can hear it a hundred times over. It should bring me joy. I love this, this uh, quote by John Piper. He says, if we, are, if we are cut loose from the anchor of God's word, we will not be free. We will be slaves of personal passions and popular trends. Oof. Slaves of personal passions and popular trends. You guys are probably thinking, oh, what are some trends right now? Now, I'm not on TikTok or anything, but there's a lot of trends on that. From what I see, there's a lot of trends going around. We get caught up on that stuff, man, and I'm just like, what the heck is that? So we're like, oh, that's that dance, Corvette, Corvette. I'm like, what is that? What are you talking about? That's a dance? That's a car, man. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, and I just, I still don't understand it today, and I have no, I have no desire to understand it, but, but again, we get caught up in these passions and popular trends, and let me tell you, folks, when you start to do that, you're going, you're, you're just chasing some feelings at that point. You know, you're just chasing feelings. You're chasing distraction. And you're not eager. You're not eager for, for the things of God. Rather, you're eager to see the latest thing. What is it, FOMO, fear of missing out? If everybody saw it on social media, you have to be one of the first to see it or one of the first to share it or one of the first to post it. Right, we get into this, this, our world's all kind of jacked up right now with distractions, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm going to share this with you because I know there's some preachers and some teachers in here. You know what I've started doing? I, I told my wife, I said, I'm turning off my phone, I'm putting it underneath my pillow, and I'm going to go, 
I'm not going to stop until my sermon's done. Or I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to stop until my lesson is finished because every time that thing buzzes, man, it's just, just complete distraction of what God's trying to speak to you. And some of us need to just do that. Just put our phone away and grab your, grab your Bible. Your heavy Bible that's got a lot of dust on it, it's got some good words in there. Some good things in there, guys. You know, wipe the dust off of it, okay? Some of the pages may be stuck together. Separate them a little bit. All right, get the highlighter out. All right, when you start, I, I kind of stop putting everything together on my, on my device because every, everyone's texting me. People are, I'm getting notifications and, and it's a mess. So I, again, we can get distracted by that. Why? Because we want to see that stuff. We want to see the latest trend. You know, we want to know what's going on. But in Titus chapter two, verse 14, Paul says this, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, eager for good deeds. Do you want to do some good deeds? Amen. Some, oh, there are like four of you. That's great. Who wants to do some good deeds? You should all want to do good deeds. You should all want to do good deeds. You should all have that desire. Say, I want to do something good. I want to do something for God. I mean, I love when I meet this, this men of God and I begin to, to talk, you know, intimately with them and just getting to know them. And they say, whatever you want to do, whatever you want, I'll do it for you. And I'm just like, what the heck? Me? They're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you told me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm like, all right. And God has to correct me like, no, he's not doing it for you. He wants to do it for the kingdom. He wants to do it for his church. He wants to do it. He wants it. Has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with you. And, and again, you should, want, you should have this eagerness to want to help people, to want to share the gospel. And this is that proximity that Jesus wants. He wants you to be very, very close, not too far, very, very close to him when you begin to do these things. You know, some of us may not pick up our Bible at all. It may take the whole week till Sunday. Thank God for church. If there was no church, some of you wouldn't even open your Bible. It's the truth. Some of you may not even open your Bible if it wasn't for church, if it wasn't for midweek service, if it wasn't for Bible study or connect group. If it wasn't for these things, you wouldn't open the word. It's time to give yourself a heat check. Where are you at? Hey, man, I haven't been doing this, right? And I, I, know, I know at my home, sometimes I let the dishes pile up. That's, that's one of my jobs at home. I let the dishes pile up. Right? And sometimes I notice them, I'm like, oh man, but the Laker game's on. I'll look at the dishes, but dude, the Laker game's on. I don't want to do the dishes when the Laker game's on. I want to watch my TV. I want to chill. It's my relaxation hour, you know? Like, and I start to, and then the next day, like, oh, the Lakers are playing a back to back, though. And they start to pile up. And then my wife finally goes, hey, um, you know, the dishes, it's been a couple days now. You know, it's been a couple days. What are you doing? You know, are you going to wait for me to do them? No, 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 no. I wasn't waiting for you to do them. Honey, I wasn't waiting for you to do the dishes. I just got wrapped up. I just got wrapped up, you know? Yeah, because the Laker game's on. Like, she already knows me, right? Jesus is the same way. Hey, look, you haven't spent time with me today. You haven't prayed with me today. You haven't read my word in a long time. 
And you know what, church? You know what scares me the most? You know what I see a lot of? And it's happening right now among us. A lot of people only come to church when they're assigned their ministry that day. Or you know what? Hey, like first service, I'm assigned this, and then I'm gonna go home. In other words, they work, and then they don't stay for second service. Right? It just doesn't make sense to me. So if you if you got to understand like, that there's a there's a temperature check that needs to be checked there. You're you're only coming to church because you're being asked to do something. Don't you want to be here? Don't you want to? You can clap for that. Don't don't you want to do something in God's house? Don't and then don't you want to receive after that? But there's a bad spirit of people that oh I'm just going to do this because I have to come and do it and then I'm gonna bounce out. It's like, what the heck? What happened to listen to God's word? That's what church is all about. Amen? But there's, a, there's another point in the story of the, the fig tree. If Jesus is hungry, and then in Mark eleven thirteen it says, seeing from a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In other words, Jesus is getting upset, but it wasn't even the season for, for figs, you know? So what does that mean? How do you interpret that? Wait a minute, Jesus, calm down, dude. It's not even the season. You're expecting fruit, but you didn't even give it time yet. And I begin to, as I'm reading this, and I'm like, what are you, God, what are you trying to tell us in this story? Why are you so, why did you, you know, condemn that tree? It wasn't even the right season. And, and then it hit me. It's, in other words, your season cannot override his expectation. See, God has an expectation in each and every one of your lives. He has a purpose. He has a goal. And some of us allow a season to take us away from this expectation that God has from us. Church, you're going to go through a lot being a Christian. Okay, there are realities, there are sick, there are, there's illnesses, there's sickness, there are, are, are bad things can still happen to us as Christians. But we should not let that season take us away from what God wants us to do. I think about Jesus. Was he distracted by the seasons he went through? Think about everything he went to, his ministry in Galilee, as he's going up and down and he's ministering. You can only imagine, of course, he got hungry. Of course, he got tired. Of course, he probably got a little sick. Of course, he had all these things. He was 100% man. He had to suppress his emotions at time and teach in the synagogues. He had to teach the people. Nothing stopped him, not even a season. Not because he knew somebody was going to betray him. Not when he knew that he was going to be hung on a cross. That season did not stop him. He still knew what he had to do. Because the Father has expectations, not only for him, but for everybody on this earth. And if we allow a season to take us away from that, that is the proximity I'm talking about. You have one heart. How close are you to God? Because he wants you to be really close to him. We should not have that tendency to have our season impact our heart for God. But we sometimes just allow it. We start telling ourselves lie, lies after lie after lie. And we develop our own season in our mind. I did this to myself one time. I told myself, you know what? I, I, I do a lot for the church. I don't need to go on Wednesday night. 
I only need to go to one service. You know, I'm going to miss here and there. So-and-so misses as well every now and then. So it must be okay for me to miss. You know, I'm not, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm just tired today. And I, I think I'm just going to stay home. Or, you know, I got other things I need to do. And you start putting things in front of going to church and just reading God's word. I keep lying to myself, say, you do enough. You're good. You know, you don't have to do those things. You don't have to go to prayer on Saturdays. You do enough already, Rob. You're good. And I, what ended up happening, I started developing this, this environment for myself. So I would just kind of pat myself on the back saying, hey, you're good. You miss a service here and there. You're good. Don't worry about it. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good, you know? And then I realized, you know what? Things aren't good in my personal life. I let this go on and on and on and on. And you know what it began to develop was anxiety began to develop in my life. And I could not explain where it was coming from. I couldn't understand it. And I said, well, well, and I would tell God, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you putting me through this? And then insomnia started to seep into that. They're like, they're, they work together, I tell you. It's a spiritual attack. And then I couldn't sleep. And then I, and then I realized, you know what? This is, this, I, I did this to myself. My heart was never right. I had no peace. My heart began, became very, very heavy. Those of you that struggle with anxiety, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I feel like your heart's gonna be right out of your chest. And it becomes very, very thick and heavy. Almost like there's a weight inside of your chest. And I said, my, why is my heart so heavy? I remember crying out to God, why is my heart so heavy right now? And, and God began to tell me, as I, I, I couldn't sleep, so I'd read God's word on the couch in the living room, and I'd say, what's going on? Like, I'm a Christian, I serve you, but I had this bad environment in my mind that I let just kind of marinate into my heart. You're good, Rob. You don't got to go. You do enough. Hey, so-and-so doesn't go. You don't need to go. Hey, you know, and I just came up with all these lies and they just became repetitive in my mind to the point where I did create this environment where I thought I was good and I was not good. And, and it was something that was really heavy in my life that I struggled with. But in Zechariah, Chapter four, verse six, it says, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. See, I allowed my heart to be affected by my season. And in reality, God's saying, you don't need to worry about that. I have expectations for you. You can't control sometimes the season that you're going through. So therefore, don't let it control your spiritual life. And I started to realize, you know, if I can't control it, then I shouldn't worry about it. I should just let my faith take that. Just let my faith take that. So when the enemy, when the enemy starts to tell you, you need to worry about this, say, you know, I can't control that, Satan. So therefore, my Lord's going to take care of that for me. And whatever comes after that, I'm going to deal with it because I'm strong in the faith. I got brothers and sisters that are going to pray, pray me through whatever comes out of that situation. All that to say this, there's, and during that time I went through this, I told myself, you know, I can't teach. I can't preach. I can't do these things that God had let me do all these years. I couldn't do it. 
the moment it would, that, that I would get called to teach or something, I'd start to sweat. My heart would get heavy and I wouldn't be able to sleep. My anxiety would kick up on things that I had done for years. Now suddenly I couldn't do. And I realized, you know what, God, God's doing something here. Like this is very, very spiritual what's happening to me. You know, and, and, I, and I realized, man, I really jacked my spirit up because I did not guard the thoughts that were happening inside of me. I let contemplation creep in and I created this season that took me all the way away from him. See, there's another side of this fig tree story and it's in, found in Matthew. The story is also told in Matthew. And this is the side that scares me the most and I want you guys to get this. But in Matthew 21, verse 18, here's the other side. Here's a different perspective of that story. It says, now in the early morning when he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Okay, that's the same. And seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves alone. And he said to it, catch this, no longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. This is slightly different. The concept is a little different here. We do know that Jesus cursed it. But in Matthew, there's a little bit more detail about that curse that scares me. And the detail is simple. In other words, God said, look, if you're not doing it now, you're not ever going to do it. You're done. That scares me. See, because all I want, what I want for my life is God's will. How many want God's will in their life? I want God's will in my life. But I realize, you know what? I could, I could lose that. I, I can be released from the covering. I can lose the favor of God in my life because I've allowed a season to disrupt it. In other words, I put that season before my relationship with God. In other words, I would, and, and again, church, it is important for you to grasp this that if you don't do it now, you may not ever do it. And if you have this attitude, if I don't do it now, and I don't, then you may never do it. If you keep that attitude, you'll realize that God starts moving in your life, saying, you know what? I need to tell people about Jesus. Or you know what? I need, I need, to, I need to start coming every Sunday, every Wednesday. I'm going to make commitments. I'm going to make goals. I'm going to make spiritual things happen in my life. I'm going to create a new environment so that my heart can flourish. So if we are not positioning our heart for spiritual growth, then we will forever be casted from bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus can look at us and say, you know what? You're done. You didn't, you didn't get it by now. You're not going to get it. It doesn't matter what season you're in. You need to be producing. You need to be winning souls. You need to be growing. And, and, and I know a lot of us are, are distracted by the, the, you know, what's happened in 2020 and, and, and the season that that put us in. I was a part of that season too. And that was a rough season for a lot of Christians. We weren't at church. We were being challenged. There was political division. It was ugly, man. And some of our brothers, brothers and sisters have really fallen and they've have decreased in their spiritual life. Some of you here right now, you went through that decrease. You know exactly what I'm talking about. 
It was hard to pick up the word. It was hard to walk into church. It was hard. And all these things, you start to create this environment where you're just huddled up at home. And you need a little nudging. You need a little pushing. And your heart begin to break. It begin to kind of saturate with well, kind of a lazy spirit. It happens. It is happening now to a lot of our friends. It's happening now to a lot of you out there. Don't allow that to take place. Open your word. Sing songs. Begin to worship him in your kitchen, your living room. Come to church. Worship him. Amen. It's important that we, that we continue to flex our faith. Amen. I don't want to lose his will, his love, his favor. And more importantly, I don't want to lose his fix for my life. I love the mind and heart of the Apostle Paul. He says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's a continual pressing. What are you going to do tomorrow to press on? What are you going to do next week to press on? What are you going to do on Sunday to press on? Ask yourself this question. What am I going to do to press on spiritually? You know, one of the simplest things is to grab a pen and paper and begin journaling. Begin reading your word and journaling. Write down scriptures. Memorize scripture. I feel like now we have these devices that just, they just throw them right up in front of us. We forgot to memorize them. We forgot to put the word in here, not just leave it here. And some of us, we... We, uh, we need to realize that the device does not control us, but rather the word of God should always take precedence. Open the word of God. Have a place for it. Have a place where it sits in your home, opened. God began to speak to me about that. Why isn't your Bible open? Have it open. Have it on the desk. You got your laptop. You got your screen for work. You got all this stuff. You know, you have devices everywhere. Everywhere but your Bible. You got everything has a place, but your Bible don't have a place. It's on a bookshelf. God wants it open. And so when you walk by it, it's like, oh hey, forgot about you. Let me read this real quick. Feel a little better. There's nothing wrong with that. Reading God's word, letting it saturate your heart. That's the proximity that brings you closer. Instead of just you just going farther and farther and farther away. So what is your heart filled with this, this evening? What is it filled with? Think, begin to examine yourself. This is the heat check I told you guys about. Begin to examine yourself. Think about what is distracting you. If I can have the worship team come up. There's plenty of distraction. There's plenty of, of us just being lost in this world, being lost in, in what the media wants us to look at or, you know, there's so much distractions. You may get a call from a friend talking about something that is just a complete distraction in your life. New trends, right? New, new passions begin to develop rather than cultivating that one passion is all you need is that's for Jesus. Your heart is so important, church. It's so important to the point where we always tell you, we always teach you in a lot of our sermons, guard it. Guard the heart. I know it's tempting. I know it's, it's difficult sometimes to overcome these things, but I'm telling you, once you begin to realize I need to guard my heart every day, 
the music you're listening to, the things you're watching on TV. These are things that are gonna keep you farther away and they begin to melt your heart. That's why I tell you, have your Bible open at home. Open it up. Begin to read it. Leave it open. Let it start to work in you. Tell your kids what you're reading. Tell your family. Tell everybody about Jesus because it's all not only for his kingdom, but it's for you. It's one of those things that it's, it's got low risk and high reward is that you just telling people about Jesus. You just, you know what? It's not only gonna benefit Jesus, it's gonna benefit me and it's gonna benefit them. I mean, what else does that? What else does that in this world? And, and, I, and I just wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you, church, that your heart needs to be examined every day. You need to look at it. And you need to say, you know what, Lord, I, I need to figure out how to get closer to you today. That's my goal. And so if I can have every head bowed and every eye closed, you might be sitting there and you might be thinking, you know, Rob, I, I, I don't understand what you're talking about, but I know my life and my heart just isn't right. I know that I've invited Jesus into my life or I haven't. And I want to renew that. I want to renew that relationship. If that's you and you want to take the opportunity to do that this evening, we want to give you that opportunity. So I want you to lift your hand. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to just lift your hand in this place. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to tell you to speak on the mic or share anything, but I think it's vital that we give opportunity for this. Some of us have may, may have fallen away. And you know, I did accept Jesus at one point in my life, but I am no longer in that car. I see that hand, brother. God bless you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Amen. Any other hand that want to join this hand? Is there any other hand? Don't be afraid. This is serious stuff. You know, everyone's scared to talk about it, but hell's a real place. It's a real place. And yes, it makes me want to say, you know what, God, I want more of you because I don't want to go to hell. And I don't want any of you to go to hell today. Don't pass up the opportunity right now to dedicate your life to Jesus. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand in this place if that's you. Is there anyone else? I see that hand, sis. You can go ahead and put it down. I believe God's talking to some people right now saying, you know what? You need to get right. You need to, you need to rededicate your life. If that's you, I don't want to pass this up. Is there, is there anyone else? Anyone else that want to join these two brave hands? Anyone at all? I see that hand, brother. You can go ahead and put it down. Anyone else? God's doing something, church. God's doing something. When Jesus died on the cross, he did it for everybody in this world. He didn't do it for the Jews. He didn't do it just for the Gentiles. He did it for every single soul, every skin tone, every culture, every race. He did it. He died for you. So if there's anyone else that would like to join these three hands, just lift your hand right now. I see that hand, sweetie. I see that hand. You can put that down. Anyone else? If you, lift, if you lifted your hand, can you just look up at me? Did you mean that, brother? 
You meant that? Amen. Did you mean that, sis? Did you mean that? I want you to come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just come to the front. We want to have some people pray with you. We take this very seriously in our lives. And just come on, come to the front. Don't, you don't have to be embarrassed. Amen. They're clapping for you. We're not against you. Just go ahead and stand right here. Brother, go ahead and stand. How you doing? Amen. Anyone else? Is there anyone else that wants to join them? You're not going to be alone. We're going to have people come with you. Is there anyone else that would like to join them? Amen. Why don't you just go ahead and pray for them right there, guys. Go ahead and begin to pray with them. Church, maybe you're out there and you're saying, you know, my heart can be in a better place. Rob, my heart's been jacked up this year. Rob, my heart has fallen off. And I need to get back to a place in proximity to God. If that's you, I want you to come to the front. Begin to come to the front right now. If God is speaking to you and saying, you God, I need to read renew my life with you. If that's you, I want you to come to the front. Don't pass up on this opportunity to spend time with him. Begin to tell him, God, I I want more of you. I, I need to be closer to you. Maybe you're there and you're saying, you know what? I've been so far away. I've been so distant from the word of God. I've been so distant in worship. I've been so distant in prayer. I've been so distant to loving you. Begin to pray and worship right where you're at, church. Begin to pray and worship right where you're at. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.